So if you were here a few weeks ago, you'll probably remember me asking you to turn to your neighbours and just to acknowledge them. Do you remember? Yeah, good, good. Now, I'm a few preachers into my time here at St. Mungo, so I'm beginning to run out of fresh illustrations. So I'm going to ask you all to do it once again, to turn to your neighbour and acknowledge them. No need to stare awkwardly, open, stunted conversation or anything. Just turn to your neighbour and acknowledge them. <laughs> Wonderful. Isn't that amazing? You just acknowledged, noticed someone different to everyone else in this room, this country and beyond. You just acknowledged someone uniquely made in the image of God. No one person acknowledged here in this room is the same. We're all made in the image of God, but there's such amazing diversity within that. We're the same, but we're different. So why not open up your Bibles uh, to Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 28 to 29. It's Galatians chapter 3, 28 to 29, where it says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What's your gut reaction when you read this passage? Maybe your reaction is to say, yes, we need to think less about what it is that differs between us. Differences don't matter so much. Maybe you're shocked by what it says. You think, Paul, that doesn't help. That's unfair. We can't just ignore our differences. What about all the people who've been hurt by slavery, racism, sexism? Those things still exist. They still have an impact. We can't just deny them. Or maybe you've got another reaction. Excitement. Excitement that we get to be united. Excitement to be an heir of God's promise. Maybe you feel despair. Maybe you don't like things to be all too similar and united. You think you have despair and an apparent journey towards increasing monotony. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In case you missed it, uh, it was Christmas a couple of weeks ago. A time normally associated with spending time with friends and family. And when we see friends or family, we so often we want to put our best foot forward to make an effort to show how successful we are, how well we're doing, how healthy we are. We may buy the biggest and best turkey. We might cook turkey, salmon, and a three-bean roast just to show that we can. And then we come to presents. What do we ask for? So much of the advertising that we see is for designer goods, for the perfume that will reportedly make us look or at least smell like Bradley Cooper or Keira Knightley. 
We can be so obsessed about status and power and how we appear, whether we acknowledge it or not. There are so many ways we try to show that we're worthy. And that's what I think makes us crave status symbols. That's kind of what advertising's all about. It convinces us that we will be better if we have this or that, or that people will think we're better if we have this or that. And maybe at Christmas time, that's true too. Status, how we appear, seems to matter to so many people. But what else, other than maybe the more trivial Christmas gifts, might have an impact on status and power across our world today? I think in different places across Scotland, the UK, and the world in general, some of these things might have an impact. Where you're born, whether you're male or female, what your skin color is, whether you have money or not, whether you have blue blood or not, what your body shape is, whether you wear the right clothes, the right watch, the right jewelry, whether you have a job or not, whether you're married or not, whether you have kids or not, whether you support the right team or not, which school you went to, what academic results you got, whether you went to uni or not. If you did, which uni did you go to? What language do you speak? Now, in the passage we've heard today, I don't think Paul's denying that differences exist, that these differences exist. He doesn't say injustice should be ignored in the name of the greater cause of Christian unity. I think he's making a different point. But what point is he making? Jarvis Williams is an associate professor of New Testament interpretation, and he says... Paul's remarks are shocking in Galatians 3.28, not because he asserts ethnic and social distinctions no longer exist, but because he contends that they do not determine one's status within the Abrahamic family. Because they do not determine one's status within the Abrahamic family. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, these things, the things of earthly status and power, have no relevance. In Christ, there are no power gains, no privilege for having earthly status and power. In Christ, those with the least power, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the persecuted, are of equal standing, equal rights, equal sonship, equal daughtership, equal heirs to those who seemingly have everything on earth. During lockdown, the rap artist Governor B, also known as Isaac Borque, spoke to Nicky Gumbel in an interview, and he mentions this passage. He says, it's a great passage, but it only works, I think as much as the Bible um, is the case for, it only works if we see the world the way God sees it. It only works if we see the way, world the way God sees it. What does that mean? Well, I think we need to go back to that moment at the beginning of my talk where we, we turned and noticed, acknowledged one another, each made in the image of God. We here are all made in the image of God, and we were made to be diverse. No two of us are the same. God made us like this. 
God wants his kingdom to be like this. But humanity so often has twisted this, even in the church, such that some characteristics, some backgrounds, some possessions, some jobs, some life situations, make it out that some seem to be more deserving of certain things than others. But we need to see the world the way God sees it. We need to value the diversity God's blessed us all with. Realize that we are all made in his image. And this diversity isn't something to be manipulated for one group's gain at another's expense. When we seek after seeing the world as God sees it, we'll better see the truth of this passage. Better glimpse the kingdom of God. A place where all are welcome, all are united, all are heirs. Where the whole breadth of those made in the image of God are represented, represented. The whole breadth of the image of God is represented. Where we better see that being one in Christ doesn't so much mean we are all the same monocultural group. But where we're all diverse. Rejoicing together, yes, which is great, but also where we feel the hurt of other parts of the body as though they were part of our body. Actually, not as though they were part of our body, but because they are part of our body. Whatever reason they may be hurting for. God made us all in our diversity, all in his image. And his kingdom surely, therefore, must be just as diverse. Uh, just a few verses before today's passage, we read in verse 7 onwards, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is what it means in today's passage to be the seed, to be the children of Abraham. We're justified by faith in a way that's open to all nations. The plan from the beginning was for God's kingdom to be filled with every nation. Jesus knows this when he gives his great commission commanding his followers to go forth and share the good news with all creation. And we need to see creation, all nations, all people, as God sees them, as worth dying for. Dying. Dying to ourselves. Dying to our desire for money, for power, for status. Dying to our prejudices. And this means challenging inequality, challenging abuse, prejudice, discrimination, and other such things here and now, inside and outside of our church family, if we want to be kingdom people, following the desires of our loving Heavenly Father. And this is all because in Christ we are one. We are one in Christ. And this is clearly seen in St. Mungo's key value of being 
family. We are all heirs and co-heirs of heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ together. Paul, in saying there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, is implicitly saying in Christ Jesus there are, there will be Jews, Gentiles, slaves, free, male and female. He's saying in Christ Jesus there's such beautiful diversity Diversity that's unspoiled by human politic. Diversity juxtaposed to social status. Diversity that pays no heed to the machinations of humans with power to wield. He's saying people of all backgrounds are welcome. And as he speaks into his culture, he confounds cultural biases and expectations to say all are equally deserving in Christ. So get on board and get on site. So what does this mean for us here today? What does being one in Christ, being heirs clothed in Christ, in all the beautiful diversity of God's image bearers, mean for us as church? What does it mean for us here in Livingston today? As a local church family, and as a wider family of believers, It means this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacant seat, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interest of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It means listening to others, serving others, dying to ourselves, It means approaching others as Christ would. So if you want to know how to best ensure we are one in Christ as church, if you want to know how we can best ensure we are hurting for the parts of the body, our family that are hurting, if you want to know how we can best act, if you want to know how we can best welcome them, how we can welcome everyone's gifts and culture, how we can hear others' stories of faith, how we can hear the challenges they face, how we can ensure our own microculture and our own ideals of doing things isn't taken to be the only perfect, true kingdom culture. There are two things we can do. Well, I'm sure there are more, but there are two specific things I think we can do. We can love God and we can love our neighbor. We need to love God. We need to listen to God. We need to ask God to guide us. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help us bear good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Ask him to reveal more of his kingdom to us. And we need to love our neighbor. We need to listen to our neighbors and value them above ourselves. You may ask, who is my neighbor? Well, I think Jesus has quite a good answer for that in the Bible, and it doesn't always go quite as one might think in the story of the Good Samaritan. If we do both of these things, loving God, loving neighbor, valuing others above ourselves, looking to their interests and not ours, doing these things with the same mindset as Christ, whoever we are, wherever we're coming from, it will invariably mean 
we need to give up power. We're going to be dying to ourselves that others might live, knowing in Christ we have life in all its fullness. When I was a kid, I used to go to summer camps. I used to go to a summer camp. Uh, it was a regular thing. And I was the only person from my school initially that went to this camp. I absolutely loved it. It was a Christian summer camp. Got learned lots about the Bible, made lots of good friends. But then after a few years, they came along to my school. They did a talk. And they started inviting other people from my school along. And I thought, no, this is my thing. This is where I go. I got to be away from all the school politics and everything. This is where I go. But then I had to think about it, and I realized, actually, this was so good for me, and it's so good for everyone that was there. I had to just accept, actually, no, it's good. My friends are coming. My friends that maybe don't have faith, other people from church are coming, uh, from school, are coming along to this summer camp to find out more about God. This isn't my thing. This is God's thing, God's family. It's about growing God's kingdom, growing God's family. And I had to accept that. That meant I didn't have all my ideals. I didn't have everything that I wanted out of it, but it meant as a family we could grow. God's family could grow. It wasn't about me. It was about the diversity of God's creation. When I first set out to write this talk, I didn't particularly think it was going to look uh, like it has done. I mean, the title, One in Christ, is inspirational, and it can be inspirational. It crafts a picture of utopia, of heaven, where all are dancing and singing happily together around a heavenly throne. But the truth is, achieving oneness in Christ involves God coming as a baby in total humility. It involves Jesus, that baby, grown up, dying, that we, in all our diversities, might live, giving up himself that we might be raised up. It involves taking up our crosses to follow him. So being one in Christ, it is inspirational, but it's gritty. It involves self-sacrifice, like me accepting that I want to invite friends rather than stop friends from coming to that summer camp. It isn't easy. It's a narrow road to walk. It involves challenge. But it doesn't involve us doing anything on our own. It involves us doing, doing it in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. And it involves us doing it, journeying with others. Loving God and loving neighbor together. And this is a foretaste of that day we see in Revelation 21 of the eternal life gained through Christ on that day with no more tears, fears, crying or pain. For the old way of things has passed away and a new has come. So, as I asked you uh, to turn to your neighbours to acknowledge them as I started speaking today, when you go out today, how will you not just turn your head to your neighbours sitting here at church to acknowledge them? but turn your life towards them with your arms wide open, ready to show them what it means to be family together, what it means to humble ourselves that others might discover life in all its fullness. We are Christmas people. We're Easter people. 
where people joined together in the one of total humility, the one who, being in very nature God, still didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Being one in Christ has Christ, has humility as a key thread running through it. I'm just going to invite the band back up now, and we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. And I'm just going to read some verses from Philippians chapter 2. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to their own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of humans, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what it means to be one in Christ. This is our identity. Our identity is Christ, the one who humbled himself, that we might be lifted up, being one in him, being Christmas people, being Easter people. Let's follow his example. And you might think, how can we live up to that? How can we live up to being like Christ? How can we do all that? Christ died. He literally died. And how can we just die to ourselves and our preferences? Well, thank goodness then there were also Pentecost people. In Romans chapter 8, verses 16 to 18, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's going to be tough, but we have God's spirit with us, testifying to our identity as his children, as family together. This is what it means to be one in Christ. It will be joyous but it won't always be easy. But the great thing is, we get to do it with his spirit, as heirs of God's glory, knowing we may suffer things now, we may have to give up power now, we may not get everything we want now, but it's nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal to us later. So as we go into a new year, let's consider 
what it means for us to humble ourselves in the name of being love, as we are loved by Christ, by God, this new year. As the band continues to play, shall we, shall we all stand? And uh, prayer ministry teams will just go to the side and they'll be uh, available for prayer. Christmas can be a tough time. Christmas can be a great time, but it can be a tough time. It's a time of friends and family, and friends and family can be great, but they can also be taxing. They can be difficult moments. They can be sad moments. They can be moments where we feel loss and pain. And so we're going to spend some time just praying into family, praying for our own earthly families, praying that God may bless us, bless them, but also that we may look to Christ, knowing we are part of his heavenly family. We were bought at a, a high cost as Christ died for us. That's how much he loved us. That's how much he wanted us all together to be family together. So if you'd like prayer, if you'd like prayer for your earthly family, or if you'd like that encouragement, encouragement that we are part of God's heavenly, far, heavenly family, and we can't always see it, uh, do, uh, do just go to the side, do go for prayer ministry. The prayer ministry team would absolutely love to pray for you. Just encouragement. Encouragement that you know we are one in Christ. We are family together. And as we look to Christ, we look to become more like Christ, as it says in Philippians 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so we pray here, Lord, that we'll do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit as we're family together. We pray that in humility, we count others more significant than ourselves. We pray that each of us looks not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We pray that we'll have this mind among ourselves, knowing it's ours in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, our Savior, who was in the form of God, yet still did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Christ emptied himself and took the form of a servant, being born in likeness of humanity, being found in human form, humbling himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Lord God, we pray that we'll become obedient to you. Obedient that we'll be willing to die for ourselves for the sake of others. We'll die that others might live. That we may see that day in Revelation 21 where the day are no more tears, fears, crying or pain, knowing that Christ has been exalted by God the Father. And on him has been bestowed the name that's above every name. That we can come before Jesus, the one we're co-heirs with, and we can bow down. And we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Father, the Father of our church family. Father God, Holy Spirit, fill us now. Remind us of all you've done for us. Inspire us that we may become more like you. We may become like little Christ's. 
and for those of us that are struggling with friends and family, we pray, Lord, that you will bring reconciliation, you will bring love, you will bring comfort, you will bring closeness. And we pray, Lord, that church will be a place of family.